You're listening to a talk given by Father Jim Farrell during the 2020 parish mission at St. Lawrence Catholic Church. We hope you enjoy this talk from one heart and one mind in Christ. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us and do not subject us to the final test. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. My first recollections of praying is with my family. Perhaps you yourself can remember who first taught you to pray. I can remember our family gathering for the rosary after our evening meal. We would kneel around our parents' bedside each of us taking turns on a decade of the rosary. And then there'd be additional prayers after the rosary that sometimes seemed like a second rosary. We'd have a Hail Mary for this aunt and a Our Father for this cousin and two Hail Marys for this one and another Hail Mary for that one. What most struck me was my parents' devotion, the strength of their faith, and the constancy of their conversation with God. That probably left the biggest imprint on my heart and soul, remembering how important it was to them to talk to God. So as I grew up, I began thinking about the ways that we talk to God. And I was like to compare it to going to the Hallmark card shop. I know those are starting to fade. (laughs) E-cards are ruining my talk. But I remember that when I go to the card shop, I have two things in mind. Either I'm going to find the perfect words to say to a friend or a loved one because I don't know exactly what to say. And I go down and read 20 or 30 cards till I find the one that just says the right thing, has just the right verse, and then I sign it and I send it 
And this to me is like when I open my prayer book. Sometimes I'm looking for just the right prayer that says what's in my heart, but I don't have the words to speak myself. So I might turn to St. Therese, Little Flower, or St. Francis of Assisi, or St. Ignatius, Loyola, or St. Therese, the Little Flower, Mother Therese of Calcutta. And I find the words they have written, and they were left behind in their journal or marked in their prayer book. And I am using their words because they say just exactly what I want to say. But sometimes when I go to the card shop, I know what I want to say. I go over to the area where they have blank cards. I'm just looking for a nice cover, so to speak, for the words I want to speak to my friend. And for me, this is like my other prayer, the times when I just sit down and talk to Jesus, practically face to face. I just open my heart to him, tell him what's on my mind, speak to him without filters, speak plainly, directly, with the comfort of knowing that I'm speaking to someone who loves me more than what words can describe. After all, it is Jesus who surrendered himself on the cross for me. So I know I can bring anything to Jesus. So I open my heart and speak clearly and plainly to be as transparent as I can, holding nothing back. I like to speak to Jesus because it lifts a burden from my soul. It reminds me I'm not alone. And I know there's something important about being honest with him, speaking clearly. Now sometimes people will say, well, if God is omniscient, remember that word from our catechism class, God is all-knowing, so why do you have to tell him anything? Well, my mother was omniscient also. <laughs> she seemed to know whatever I was doing, and particularly when I did something wrong. And I used to think to myself, if I was over at the Dawson's, they were our neighbors, and I broke something, I could pretty much be sure that by the time I got home, my mother knew about it. And I might not mention it to her right away, but in my heart, I knew that she knew, and she knew that I knew, and I knew that she knew that I knew that she knew. And so we knew, but it was never really part of our relationship until I spoke it out loud. And I think that's true with God. God knows what's going on in my life. God knows what's in my heart. God knows the clutter in my mind, the stress that I'm feeling, 
the feelings of inadequacy or guilt, remorse, regret, the feelings of gratitude. But there's something different that happens in my relationship with God when I say those things to God, when I acknowledge them, when I own them. You know how it is. Maybe three of us are friends. Sue and Father Dave and I. And something's happening in my life. And I mention it to Father Dave. And he mentions it to Sue. And then when Sue sees me, she's expecting that I'm going to mention what I told Father Dave about what was going on in my life. But I don't mention it. So it doesn't become part of our relationship. She knows it, but it doesn't become part of our relationship. And the same is true with God. God knows what's happening in my life, but if I don't bring it to God in conversation, if I don't mention it to God in prayer, then it doesn't become part of my relationship with God. So if I have this thing in my life, maybe it's a decision to be made, Maybe it's the limits I feel about my abilities and capacities. Maybe it's anxiety over a medical diagnosis. I come to church. I may even stay afterwards and light a candle. And I mention to God my friend who is unemployed and needs a job. My cousin whose marriage is in trouble. I mentioned our members of my staff who have asked for special remembrance in my prayers. I mentioned my sister-in-law who has Parkinson's disease. I mentioned my sister and brother-in-law and some anxieties they have about their family. I put all these things on the table and ask God to shower his graces upon them. But I don't mention this one thing going on in my life I hold it back here, behind my back. I finish my prayer and I walk away. And I've left this out. And I think that impacts my relationship with God. Because I'm holding something back from someone who loves me. And I would like to tell God everything, but I'm just not ready today to open my heart completely. So I hold this back and in turn I deprive myself of the grace that can flow into my life when I throw myself at the feet of Jesus, when I ask for the outpouring of the graces of the Holy Spirit because I haven't given my whole self over to God in prayer. I've held something back. Now, when we were children, I suspect most of us, if we grew up Catholic, we were taught probably an acronym for prayer. For us, the sisters we had, it was ACTS, prayers of adoration, contrition, thanksgiving, and supplication. That was a big word. Sisters on one of the other parts of the country, they used PACT. That was prayers of petition, adoration, contrition, and thanksgiving. 
Petition is a better word for third graders than supplication, I think. So I thought about that, and you know, it's really true in our relationships with one another. When I go to that Hallmark store, sometimes I send you a card that's sort of like adoration. I send you a card that praises you, praises our friendship, affirms the relationship we have. Maybe it's your birthday and I'm acknowledging some of your gifts that you have brought to our community in the parish or to my life as a friend. And I realize that as I sit down to write that card, I start thinking about all the ways we have been a support to each other through the years. And that's a blessing to me. And so I write words of affirmation, words of encouragement. And I liken that to the prayers of adoration I give to God. You know, those moments when I take a little time to realize all the ways God has blessed me, all the ways that he has supported me in times of distress, ways in which I have felt his grace strengthening me in times of weakness, opportunities that I've had to open my eyes and see the wonder of God's love in my life. Sometimes when I go to the Hallmark store, I'm going to find a apology note. I'm looking for a card that will express how sorry I am that I messed things up. And I find that card. And so I write down a note and I express my sorrow for the words that I spoke rashly, the thing that I did thoughtlessly, the act of inconsideration I visited upon you. And that's like when I speak to God my words of sorrow for my sins, my transgressions, my thoughtlessness, my being too caught up with myself and not enough with God. And sometimes I go to the Hallmark store to find a thank you note. You know, those notes that our mothers made us sit down and write right after our birthdays and Christmas. And it's a time to thank people for blessings received, gifts that were given, time that was generously donated to a cause. And then I have prayers of thanksgiving to God for graces bestowed upon me, for blessings received, for the gift of my faith, for my good health, for seeing me through my last crisis, for easing my pain, softening my distress. And then, yes, you can find cards at the Hallmark store that are cards of supplication, I bet that's a shock to you, isn't it? Yes, there you go over there and it'll say, will you please come? It's uh, asking you to come to a party, a baby shower, a birthday event. It's a supplication, it's a petition, it's a request. And those are like my prayers to God that I pray for you 
and for anyone who has asked me to pray for them. The people that have asked me to put in a good word for them with God. So we see this parallel, and I think it's a good parallel, between my relationship with God and Jesus, his Son, and the Holy Spirit, and my relationship with other people. And I find so often that if I kind of test myself by looking at how am I relating to my friends, it'll give me a place to sort of do inventory on how am I relating with God. Because if I find myself spending lots and lots of times with my friends, it might cause me to think about how much time have I spent with God lately. You know, when we first started using cell phones, I recall that one of the early bills that I got, it listed every phone call I had made. It was quite a shock. And as I was reading through there, I was seeing that sometimes uh, there were certain days when I called certain people more than once. And all of a sudden, I asked myself, well, did I talk to God more than once that day? You know, here I talked to so-and-so twice. Did I talk to God twice that day? It was a great moment of revelation for me how quickly I would pick up the phone to call someone, ask them a question, or clarify something we had talked about earlier, or give them the latest news about my life, ask how something went in their life. But was I checking in with God? Was I drawing God closer? Because we know that every time we call someone in friendship, it sort of strengthens our ties of friendship. It draws us closer together. We participate in each other's lives. Was I doing that with God? Was I drawing him closer by acknowledging him? Was I asking for his participation in my life? Was I opening myself up to his spirit and asking to be guided by that spirit in my daily ministry? It was a moment for, that kind of woke me up because it caused me to look at how am I talking to God? And I want to talk to God because I want God to be a part of my life. So I started trying to be a little more deliberate and intentional about my praying. Early in my priesthood, I, when I would go to certain uh, hospitals that had chapels in them, I always felt invited to come into that chapel for just a few minutes and speak to God about the people I'm about to visit because I wanted God to be a part of that. And then I started thinking about, well, what if I started remembering to pray every time I saw a crucifix? You know, if I see a crucifix in the classroom or I see a crucifix in my home or in my office, let that be a way of calling me to prayer. And I think it's a great thing to have triggers, you might kind of call them. Little things that when they appear in your day, they're a reminder to you to pray. Some people keep their rosary in their pocket or their purse. Or maybe you've seen one of those little things across in my pocket. 
And so that every time you reach your hand into your purse or into your pocket and you touch that rosary or that cross, or maybe you feel the metal around your neck, it's a way of reminding you, oh yes, have I spoken to God lately? What about taking a moment here to talk to God, to thank him, ask for his help? Just keeping God in the loop can be a great thing. During my sabbatical in 1996-97, I had the privilege of traveling to Uganda. I was visiting a missionary friend of mine, and when I was there, we arrived, I arrived, on January 1st. So the next day I went to Mass, and it, the psalm response was, All the ends of the earth have seen the power of God. And I really had, having traveled through the country to get to where I was staying, I had really felt I was at the end of the earth, you know. And so the roads were mostly mud roads or dirt roads, and some of the buildings that looked like they were vacated were actually school buildings or uh, hospitals. So it was quite humbling to see the conditions there. And I remember uh, coming out of Mass that day, and I was still pondering the words of the responsorial psalm. All the ends of the earth have seen the power of God. Now, I'm not in the custom of doing this. I had just met these three men the night before. And, I mean, I really want to think back on it. I think this is so out of character for me. Maybe it was part of my culture shock. I walked up to these three men and I said to them, the psalm response says that all the ends of the earth have seen the power of God. I said, where do you see the power of God? And right away, I mean like in seconds, they had answers for me. The first man said, I see the power of God in the first rain that comes at the end of dry season that reminds us that God has not forgotten us. Wow. The second man said, I see the power of God when there's enough food on the table to feed my family. Wow. And right before I had arrived, there had been an ambush on the road from Kampala to Arua. People were traveling in a convoy for safety. The convoy had been raided by a rebel army. Many people lost their lives. But there was a missionary priest who worked in this area that I was visiting and he and his companion were able to get away from the massacre. And, one, and the third man said, I see the power of God when Father Tonino's life was spared in the ambush. So I thought to myself, first of all, I was amazed uh, that these men could answer that question in seconds, because frankly, if you asked me that, I would have to retreat for a few minutes and gather my thoughts and think about where do I see the power of God in my life. But these men were so in touch with where God was in their life. 
And each of the things they said touched me deeply because I saw things differently. That man said, I see the power of God in the first rain that comes at the end of dry season. And I was looking at dry season and the hardships of not having any rainwater for months. He saw the rain that came at the end of dry season. The man said, I see it, power of God, when there's enough food on the table, feed my family. And I had just arrived and started tasting local food, which wasn't anything I was used to. And so I was distracted by the taste of food that was different for me. But he saw that there was enough food to feed his family, and that was a sign of God's presence. And then I saw the people who died in the massacre, but he saw the people that were spared in the ambush. So these people who lived in a land of want saw what was present. And I live in a land of plenty, and I could only see what was missing. I really believe that they're being attuned to where they saw the power of God in their life had to do with their ongoing conversation with Jesus, their ongoing prayer life, their growing awareness over the course of their life of how totally dependent they are on God. It's a place I want to get to. I want to get to that place of awareness that God is with me. I'm dependent on God. And I want to grow in that love of God because I know how much God loves me. So in the Old Testament, there's this wonderful gospel, uh, gospel wonderful passage. And you're probably familiar with it. it. We had it not too long ago, I think. It's the passage of Abraham when God comes to his home. And afterwards, you'll, Abraham asks God, what are you going to do now? And God says, I'm going down to Sodom and Gomorrah to see if there are 50 good people there. And Abraham says, well, what if you can't find 50 good people? And he says, well, if there aren't 50 good people, then I'm going to destroy the cities. And Abraham said, oh my gosh, you're going to destroy the city if you can't find 50 good people? Well, what if you only find 45 good people? Are you going to destroy the city because you lack five people? That wouldn't be something that you would do, would it, God? You would destroy the city for the lack of five people? So God says, oh, no. If there's 45 good people, uh, that will be sufficient. Well, you know, Abraham isn't happy yet. He says, what if there's only 40 good people? What, what about 40? And God says, if there's 40 good people, I will leave the city stand. Abraham's still not happy. What if there's only 35 good people? And come on, God, you are a good God and a merciful God. You don't want to destroy them, do you, for 35 good people? And, it, and God says, if there's 35 good people, I'll let it stand. Well, this goes back and forth, almost to the point where you think that Abraham's a bit of an auctioneer, except he's going down instead of up. 50, 45, 40, 35, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10. 
And God won't go any lower than 10. And as you remember, he can only find five good people. And so he takes those five people out of the city and destroys the city. But what strikes me about it is where did Abraham get that? Where did he get that comfort level with God to challenge him, to give him a little pushback? How did he develop that kind of intimacy with God that allowed him to speak his mind and to speak it forcefully and to speak it repeatedly? Because, you see, most of the time, when we think about approaching God, we think of God as a very powerful, majestic person. But, you know, Abraham must have seen God as a loving father, as a caring presence, as an approachable being to whom he could pour out his thoughts without measuring them. He just said it all. That to me is okay. I want to aspire to that. I want to have that level of confidence in my relationship with God that I can speak plainly, clearly, directly, spontaneously, whatever is in my heart. And sometimes that's what makes the difference, I think, in our relationship with God. See, a lot of this has to do with how do we see God. If I'm going to see God as completely transcendent, completely above me, all-powerful, all-knowing, almighty, then that might make it hard for me to have this comfort level. Maybe that's why I, I tend to speak to Jesus more than I speak to God the Father. Because when I speak to Jesus, I'm dealing with somebody who has experienced a lot of human life, 33 years of human life, relationships, things that worked, things that didn't work, family life, the death of his father, the death of his friends. He wept over at the tomb of Lazarus. He retreated into the mountain to grieve the death of John the Baptist. So Jesus and I, I can have a conversation with him and I really feel like he gets it. You know, last week I, was, I, I tell my congregation, I'm so consoled by the fact that Jesus was tempted in the garden, in the desert, because I've been tempted. So when I talk to Jesus about my temptations, I know he understands what it's like to be tempted. And when I talk to Jesus about being, having my doubts, being confused, you know, I, I think about Jesus on the cross saying, my God, why have you abandoned me? Or when I experience some kind of a betrayal by a friend, I think about Jesus experiencing the betrayal of Judas. Or when a friend disappoints me, I think about Jesus hearing that Peter denied him three times, denied that he even knew him. Or when I deal with people that don't have any confidence in me, I think about Jesus going to his hometown and he could work no miracle there because of their lack of faith in him. So for me, I like to go to Jesus in my prayer. I like to talk to Jesus because I feel like I'm talking to somebody who understands my life 
and who has, some of the, has had some of the same emotional experiences that I've had. And so I find it easier to approach him that way and to be myself with him. I still speak to God, the Father. I take special concerns to God, the Father. And then I ask for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for certain occasions that I know I have to lean on the Spirit to accomplish what I set out to do, like tonight. So we have this wonderful trinity of persons that are available to us and who love us. They love us. The three persons and one God love us. And we are invited into a relationship with them, into a conversation. You know, we, we use that word prayer, but it should not intimidate us. It's really about a conversation. It's about building a relationship with God, just like we would with our friends. And just like in our friendships, we cultivate a certain transparency with one another. You know, when I first get to know you, we probably, in our first conversations, we talk about where we grew up. We maybe find some common intersection in our life that we went to the same school or we had friends that went to that school what neighborhood we grew up in. We maybe ask about your mother's maiden name to see if we can find a connection. We talk about where we work or some of our pastimes. Invariably, we find some point of contact, some intersection between our lives. And that opens up a different level of trust, confidence. And over time, as the friendship grows, the, relationship, the conversation gets deeper. We start talking about our fears and our hopes and our doubts and our aspirations and our dreams and our disappointments. And we share our joys and sorrows and the relationship blossoms. And the same can be true in our relationship with God. We open our heart and we pour it all out. Now one of the things that I find in my relationships with my friends is that there has to be a balance between talking and listening. When we were children, we had a custom uh, of making a visit to the church. You know, the churches were open all day, and you could stop by and make a visit. And when a visit was something like this, you walked in, you blessed yourself, and you genuflected and went in the pew, and you said, in our Father, and a Hail Mary, and a Glory Be. And then you got up and genuflected and blessed yourself and went out. That was a kind of a visit, wasn't it? So I thought, what would that look like at Grandma's house? So it looked like this. You go in, you Grandma would come to the door and um, say, Hi, Grandma. Hi, Jimmy. I go in, I sit down. Grandma, I got my report card. I got two A's, two B's, and two C's. My little league team is in first place, and next week we're going to Kings Island. And I get up and I walk out. At which time my grandmother's long arm would come, and she'd get that nerve right here, the one right here, and she'd pinch that, and then with her Irish brogue, she'd say, Where are you going, boy? Have a seat here. You didn't let me say anything. And I think of all the times I talked to God 
in a one-way process. I didn't have any time for listening. You know, I make that visit to church, but I didn't pause after I prayed. I didn't just sit quietly for a moment or two to let God answer me back, to let God speak to my heart. How easy it is to just keep doing all the talking and forget to listen. You know, in that beautiful Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Well, part of that is being attuned, being attentive. I want to hear you, God. I want to listen to you. You know, St. Benedict begins his beautiful rule of life with listen with the ear of the heart. We need to hear God. There's a beautiful uh, little, there used to be a program called Inside the Actor's Studio. It was a great show. And this guy, James Lipton, who had an encyclopedic knowledge of movies, he would interview all kinds of movie people. And he always had a question he asked at the end of the evening. I love the, these questions he asked. And the very last question was, if there is a heaven, what do you want to hear God say to you when you get there? If there is a heaven, what do you want to hear God say to you when you get there? So different people that he interviewed, well, some would say, I want to hear God say, welcome. I want to hear God say, well done. So Steven Spielberg, the, the incredibly capable uh, director, when he was on that program, when he asked that asked that question, his answer was, I want to hear God say to me, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Wow. So then they asked him about that. There was a question and answer period, and somebody asked him about his answer. And of course, he's Jewish, and so he said, well, growing up, we heard the, the Shema, which is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. He says, I hope that in my life I've been listening to that still, small voice in my heart. I want to listen to God. And we have to work at that because we are busy people and we have lots of noise in our life. And we have television and we have phones and we have emails and computers dinging us. And it, it takes an effort and a discipline to stop all that and just be available, be listening for God. And that's an important part because in our relationships, that's what makes our relationships endure. You know, if I'm in a relationship with a person, they do all the talking all the time, I don't feel connected to that person. I mean, I know what's going on in their life, but I don't feel supported by them because they don't really listen to me to know what's going on in my life. So when we're together, we try to have some kind of way of each of us having an opportunity to share. Well, we need that with God. And God might speak to me by the scriptures, but he could also speak to me in the silence. So not to be afraid of it. Not to be afraid of turning everything off and just being with God for a bit.
And there's another piece. There's a third piece. So there's the talking piece. There's the listening piece. And here's the third piece. Being. Being with God. You know how it is when we get to be friends. In the beginning we do all that little, you know, the introductory conversation. And then we get to the deeper sharing. But there also comes a time when we are together, we get to a point where we can be together without talking. We might drive to Chicago and after the first 30 miles or so, we can be in silence in the car and it's okay. We're just happy to be together. We could sit at home in front of the fireplace or out on the deck in the spring, summer and fall and watch the stars rise in the sky. And we can just be glad that we're doing this together. We don't even have to talk to each other. We're aware of each other's presence, but we have no need to say anything more. We're comfortable being together. And we need that with God, too. We need a time with God where I'm not talking or even listening. I'm just with you. With you. You know how it is sometimes you go to visit someone in the hospital, particularly if they're really sick, and they might even say to you when you arrive, I don't really feel like talking or visiting. And you say to them, that's okay. I just came to sit with you. We don't have to have any conversation. We can just be together. And so you sit by the side of their bed. Your friend falls asleep. They wake up a half an hour later. They see you're still sitting there. Maybe you're holding their hand. Maybe you're just sitting by their bed praying. Maybe you're just sitting with them, reminiscing about your friendship through the years. But you're together. And there's a strength that's communicated in that silence. There's a love that's communicated in that silence. The same is true with God. You know, sometimes I think we get the wrong idea about adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. Because adoration of the Blessed Sacrament is really about coming and sitting with God. Now sometimes we'll bring a little spiritual reading, or we'll bring a, gospel, a Bible or a rosary, that's fine. But I hope that if you're at adoration for an hour, some part of that time you put all those things away and you just sit with God. Just sit with God. And know that you're with God and God is with you. There's a story about St. John Vianney that one day, the, you know, the famous confessor, he came out of the confessional and he saw a man kneeling at the communion rail. This is in the 1800s. And uh, he saw him there every day. And finally, John Vianney goes over to him and he says, Excuse me, sir, what, what are you doing here? I see you here every day. And the man looks up at the crucifix and he says, uh, I come here. He says, I look at him and he looks at me and we are happy. Wow. I look at him. He looks at me. We're happy. To have that sense of the reality of God, of the real presence of God, who is present to you and me all the time. And I just want to be aware of it. I want to be aware that God is here with me. I want to have my heart open to receive whatever God wants to give.
when we were growing up in high school, we had a, I went to the Latin school, which was a high school for boys interested in the priesthood. And we started at 7.45 in the morning with 20 minutes of meditation, which some of the students thought was just a little opportunity to take another nap before school started. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, freshmen through senior high school students at 7.45 in the morning, you're going to have a meditation period during which there's 15 minutes of total silence. Who's going to still be awake at the end of that? But anyway, but the point was, is at the beginning, I can remember the priest who was leading, whoever was in charge of meditation that day, would say, let us put ourselves in the presence of God. And sometime much later, like 30 years later, I thought to myself, no, 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 that's not right. It should have been, let's be aware that we are in the presence of God. We don't have to put ourselves into the presence of God. We are already there. We are in the presence of God right now. And I would say this if I was in your living room. Whether we're here at St. Lawrence or we're in your living room, we are in the presence of God. It just means we need to be aware of it. I want to be aware that I'm in the presence of God so that I can call on God more often and grow that relationship with God. So ultimately, our prayer life is about entering into that experience of awareness that God is here and that God's love for me is unconditional. It's ever-flowing into my life. And I want to love God in return. I want to unite myself with God. I want to be as present to God as God is to me. I don't want to go on through the day and then 10 p.m. tonight remember there's a God. I want to be awake to God often, as often as I can. You know, my Irish cousins in County Kerry, Ireland, we first got to know them. We sort of rediscovered them, as a lot of Americans do. And I think we rediscovered them back in the 60s. And we started you know, going back and forth and meeting them. And they would send these letters to us. Have you ever gotten a letter from somebody in Ireland about every sentence or every two sentences it ends with PG, which is please God? You know, so like, you know, there's, you know, next week there's supposed to be sun here, PG. It's been a wonderful winter, PG. That we'd be asking for a better crop this year, PG. And we're looking forward to your visit next summer, PG. In other words, they were so consciously aware that God was involved in everything that they made me more aware of it. They're, they're living out their faith, enriched my own. So I encourage you, wherever you are in your journey of conversations with God, you may be way beyond anything I've talked about tonight. That's great. But if you've stumbled or struggled or whatever, just know that it's okay. It's a constant growth in our lives. And we're always growing in our opportunities for God. And we're growing with the desire to grow more. I just want to get better at being aware that God is here. 
and I want to respond to the love that he offers me, that God gives me. So just to let this opportunity of these days be a renewal, sort of a reminder of things you've already known or already been living, and just an encouragement to keep on with it. This evening, after the short break, we're going to have a little meditation experience, a guided meditation, and that's an opportunity for us to uh, speak to God. And I'll explain more about that after the break. And uh, so I'd like to suggest at this time that we just take a little moment to kind of let yourself, uh, let it settle on your ears and in your hearts what you've heard here today and, and let it settle in your soul. Just take a moment of silence. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Okay, I'd like to invite you to take a little stand-up break where you are, and uh, we're going to have a little, then after a couple minutes of just kind of loosening our bones, we can, we'll have a little meditation experience. So just have a stand-up break where you are. quietest break I've ever had. <laughs> okay, you got the blood moving again. Please be seated and speak, Lord. I long to listen to your voice. See, Lord, here I am. Speak, Lord. I long to listen to your voice. See, Lord, here I am. In this next segment, we're going to have a, what I hope is an opportunity to talk to Jesus. So I'm going to lead you on a little mental journey. Some things will happen on your journey I don't describe. That's perfectly fine. Some things, you, you may go on a different journey than the one I described, that's perfectly fine. Uh, some people have been known to fall asleep on the journey. As long as you don't snore too loudly, that's okay. Um, there'll come a time when I invite you to talk to Jesus. That is a personal and private conversation. This is not shared prayer. This is just a time for you to talk from your heart directly to the heart of Jesus. Then there'll come a time when I tell you to listen for Jesus' response. It may come in a word or phrase that enters your mind. It may come in a gesture Jesus makes toward you. It could come in a picture that enters your mind's eye. It may come in an awareness of God's love for you, or a sense of peace that envelops you. Sometimes it comes later, later today, tomorrow, that you'll have a connection with something you prayed about tonight. Then I'll bring you back to this time and place, and then when we get to that point, I will invite you back twice to this time and place. 
and we'll end with the glory be, and then we'll continue with our little prayer service. Um, please be sure your phones are silenced. And Sue, is it possible to have a little less light or fewer, fewer or Father David or somebody, a little less light? Like maybe just the lights in the sanctuary or all right, or Father David. Start flipping switches, we can yell. <laughs> Doing good so far. That's good. Thank you. That's good. And Jason's going to have a little music going in the background just to ward off some noises so that we can be more present to the experience. Okay, Jason. I invite you to make yourself as comfortable as you can be where you are. And remembering that the word for breath and spirit are one and the same in the biblical language of Hebrew. So I invite you to take several deep breaths. And as you inhale, Allow the Spirit of God to touch those parts of you that are distracted, preoccupied, or busy. And as you exhale, allow the Spirit of God to carry away from you every kind of distraction. As you inhale, allow the Spirit of God to touch those parts of you that are heavily burdened, stressed out, overwhelmed, hurting, or in pain. And as you exhale, allow the Holy Spirit to carry away from you everything that is not of God. So you and I we leave the church. We go out the door and down the steps.
return and start to walk down the street. There's a bit of a chill in the air and we notice across the street a well-lit home and smoke coming out of the chimney signifying a fire in the fireplace. As we approach the house, someone comes out and calls your name. The voice is familiar to you. So you walk in front of me, and as you approach the house, you see that it is Jesus who is calling to you. He comes forward to greet you warmly. And he gestures towards the house and invites you to come in. You go in and as you enter, to your right is the living room. And there, sure enough, is a fire burning in the fireplace. There are two rocking chairs in front of the fireplace. Jesus just invites you to join him there. The two of you sit together. He turns towards you with his eyes fixed on yours. And he asks you how you are. So speak directly to Jesus and tell him exactly how you are. He is listening to you now.
Jesus asks about the cross in your life. Is there a particular cross you're carrying that weighs heavy on your heart and soul? Speak directly to Jesus about your cross. He is listening to you now. Jesus asks, what is the blessing in your life? For what are you most grateful? Speak directly to Jesus about your blessings. He is listening to you now.
Jesus asked, What do you want me to do for you? What do you need from me? Be as specific as you can. Speak directly to Jesus about what you need him to do for you. He is listening to you now. Listen now for Jesus' response to you. It may come in a word or a phrase, an image or a gesture, or the awareness of his love. Listen.
Jesus leans forward and clasps his hands around yours and reminds you that he loves you. You and Jesus rise up together. Jesus accompanies you towards the door. He walks with you as you make your way back here. He reminds you that he is always with you even when you cannot see him. Then you pause along the street. Jesus turns towards you. He blesses you, bestows upon you the gift of his peace. Then he embraces you and reminds you again that he loves you. Then you join arms and you continue walking back to St. Lawrence. At some imperceptible moment, Jesus is no longer visible to you, but you still feel his presence. You re-enter the church and find a seat. You sit down and ponder what you've just experienced.
When you are ready, you are welcome to return to this time and place. You are welcome to return to this time and place when you are ready. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, as now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. going to lift up some prayers of intercession now. They're in your prayer leaflets. I invite you to do the part where it says all. Our Father who art in heaven, God, grant to us the experience of heaven on earth. Hallowed be your name. Help us recognize your holiness in one another. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not allow us to be received by the standard of the 
let us recognize and live your will until we can finally say heaven is possible here on earth. Give us this day our daily bread. partake in the, in the communion of struggle and hope and be the bread that is shared by all. Forgive us our debt as we forgive debtors. Give us hearts that can share your grace by forgiving others. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us to a deeper steadfastness to overcome evil in our midst. For the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours forever. Amen. Let your power of love, the glory of justice and peace, be with us forever and ever. Amen. Reminder, tomorrow evening we'll be here at 7. And also in the morning, tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., our focus tomorrow will be on reconciliation and healing, forgiveness. Um, there's a reception this evening over in St. Agnes Hall. We hope you'll be able to join us there if you're not in too much of a rush to get home. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lord, God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.